So today we start celebrating the day of Pentecost. But what actually does that mean? You see, we consider Pentecost the birth of the church. And in a sense, that's what it is, but it's more than just that. You see, that's the day that the Holy Spirit became available to everyone who believed in Jesus. So it's kind of the beginning of the Christian lifestyle. You see, we can't even be Christians if we don't have the Spirit in us. Romans 8 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So see, Pentecost isn't just the birth of the church. It's the birth of the Christian lifestyle. But to understand this, we need to go back to Acts 1 through 4, where Jesus had instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them that they should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, and they would receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So up until this time, the disciples had only experienced part of the Holy Spirit's power and only for a short time. We all know that Jesus had sent them out in groups to go travel and to heal people. But he was about to come and live permanently in them and give them his full access to his power. So Pentecost, too, is a special historical event. And it signified the period of God's dealing with his people. And it's the dawning of the age of the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of the Spirit in God's people is to give them the courage and the power to go and make disciples of all nations. See, Pentecost was God equipping his church, not the building, but us, the people with the power of the Holy Spirit, so that he could be glorified among all nations. And the point of Pentecost is a mission, and that mission is to be witnesses to Jesus in all nations. And if we truly understand this great historic event, our hearts will burn with a passion to see people from every tribe and of every nation worshiping at the feet of Jesus. So before we go too, too much further, let's talk about the mission. You know, I don't want nobody to get hung up on that word and miss with the whole point of this message. So yes, we are going to Kentucky this summer. And yes, there are mission trips all over the world. But there's mission work right here in Quanta, Texas. There are people all across this town, both poor and rich, that need to hear the true gospel preached to them. Our jobs are our mission field. Our day-to-day encounters with people is our mission field. In this room is our mission field. Right outside that door is our mission field. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, that word nation translates into all people. So Jesus has told us to go and make disciples of all people. Everywhere we go, we should be making disciples. Yes, some are called to be missionaries in other countries. Some are not. But that doesn't mean that one group is better than the other. That doesn't mean one group is more spiritual than the other. It just means that God has a specific plan for each of us. And when we will fully submit to his will, he will reveal that plan to us and equip us for our mission. So in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells Peter that he'll build his church and and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, his church is us. And our purpose is to spread the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. We're not to focus on ourselves. We're not to focus on our own happiness, but instead we should focus on glorifying God by sharing the love of Him, beginning right here in Quanah, Texas. 
And as we look at Acts 2, verses 9, I didn't put that on the screen, sorry. But we see a long list of different nations that Luke gives us. And I didn't put it on the screen because I can't pronounce most of those nations, to be honest. So I didn't want to kind of stumble, stumble through that. But he said there's Jews and there's Gentiles there. He says they're devout men, meaning God-fearing men, which is obvious by the fact that they made the journey to Jerusalem for this feast. And Peter would soon explain to them that the Messiah had come and had been sacrificed. So why is this list so important? So to understand that, we have to go back to Genesis and to the Tower of Babel starting in Genesis verses, uh, or chapter 11, verse 5. It says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people were one, and they, were, and they all have one tongue. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing they do, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad all over the face of the earth. See, in Genesis, God had judged the proud men and the arrogant men by confusing their language. But here, by His grace, God turned the confusion of languages into a miracle of a miraculous speech given in different tongues, resulting in great blessings. See, the gift of speaking in tongues was a special miracle that demonstrated God's power and the purpose of taking the gospel to all nations. It enabled the church to be launched in all these different countries when these men returned home. See, God's plan may have been centered around Israel and Jews, but it was always meant for everyone. And Revelations 5.9 says that Jesus purchased, purchased us for God with his blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So we as believers, as Christians, we cannot rest until all nations and all people have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. But how can we possibly fulfill this plan? By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit is not just a force. It's the third person in the Trinity. And we know that He's a person because in Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. See, we can't grieve a force. And in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. See, we can't lie to a force. We lie to a person. And Peter says that it is not man that you lie to, but God. So the Holy Spirit is a person and is the third in the Trinity, which makes him fully God. So like I said, up until now, the Holy Spirit was just there part-time. He would regenerate men. He'd give them the power to serve God, but he didn't permanently reside with the believers. But on the day of Pentecost, in the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you begin to see this happen all throughout the book of Acts. In chapter 8, the Spirit is poured out on the Samaritans. On chapter 10, the same thing happens to the Gentiles when Peter was preaching to Cornelius and his household. 
And in chapter 19, the Spirit came upon the men from Ephesus when Paul laid hands on them. These outpourings of the spirits follow the, path, follow the pattern of Acts 1. You see, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is for everyone, not just the super-Christians. And it's not something we can do ourselves. You see, we can schedule a baptism up here. We can invite all of our friends and all of our families, and we can take pictures, and we can get a certificate. But we can't do that with the whole, when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's an action from God that's performed on each and every believer the moment of salvation. And we're not commanded to be baptized by the Holy Spirit because it's an act of God. But we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to make room for the Holy Spirit. We have to do some house cleaning. We have to get rid of some junk in our lives. We have to confess our sins to God. We have to repent. And we have to be willing to deny ourselves of the worldly pleasures. So this takes a daily commitment of following God. That means that along with reading and studying the Word, we have to obey the Word. Jesus said in John 14, 15 through 17, If you love me, keep my commandments. Other translations say, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because, he neither, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and you will be with him. See, the Holy, the Holy Spirit is not part of this world. And when we cling to the things of this world, we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to let go of the worldly desires, the desires of riches, the desires of power, the pride, sin, we have to let go of all that in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the purpose of Pentecost was to empower the body of Christ to go and spread the good news of the gospel. That day about 3,000 people were baptized. Each one received the Holy Spirit and went back to their home country to share the word with their neighbors. See, the Holy Spirit gives us the power and courage to go out and share the truth of the gospel. It doesn't empower us to hold on to traditions inside the church. I know that every church has traditions, and there's nothing wrong with traditions until it comes our focal point. When we start spending more time talking about traditions that we do year after year, instead of going out and being the church, then our traditions have become a problem. You see, we shouldn't celebrate Pentecost once a year. We should celebrate Pentecost every single day of the year by going out and sharing the gospel with others. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can't help but want to tell others about Christ. See, this is what James meant when he was talking about faith without deeds is dead. It's not a works-based salvation that he was talking about. But we accept Jesus with all of our hearts, and we deny ourselves the worldly pleasures. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you just want to share His love. You want to talk about Him. You want to brag about what He's done in your life. That's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit's being in us, is to glorify God. That's what Jesus said in Acts verses one, or chapter 1, verses 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, it says you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Not you might receive power. Not it's possible, but you shall. See, these are instructions given to us by Jesus. And we should want to be out living for the Lord. We should want to be out sharing the gospel. We should want to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because that's the purpose of Pentecost, and that's what we're called to do. So I want you to think about these questions and think about the purpose of Pentecost. Is my focus on God's glory in all things? Did I even think about that as I went through my week? Is my passion that all people would glorify God through the gospel? Is my heart in tune with God's heart? Is my daily life dependent on the Holy Spirit? Would I have even missed him if he had withdrawn from me this past week? Do I lean on him for strength to follow God? Is my daily desire to be a witness to Christ for those who are lost and perishing? See, the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't given to make us happy. It was given so that we could go out and be disciples and to glorify God. That's the true meaning of Pentecost. That's the reason why we should be celebrating it daily, not just once a year. I want to end with this, and it's not on the screen because it just came to me earlier. But will you please stand? We're going to read uh, Acts 4, verses 23 through 31. This is right after John, uh, Peter and John had been arrested for speaking the word of God. And they were told to never mention his name again. It starts in verse 23 and says, And being let go, they went, to their, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard, when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that, is, all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage, and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stands, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed. The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray that you'll just pour your Holy Spirit upon this church and upon your people. Father, I pray that you'll give each one of us the boldness just to speak the truth. Father, I pray that you'll just give us the courage just to go out and to share your love with whoever we're with. Father, whether it's believers or unbelievers, that we'll just have the boldness and the courage just to speak your truth. Father, I pray that we'll just, our lights will shine just so bright that this whole community will be able to just see you through us, Father. Father, again, I just ask for boldness, courage. And just open our eyes to be able to see the way you see, Father. We love and you praise you. Ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.